And the rubber chicken says... <laughs> if Ron DeSantis wants to be the president, then killing his constituency is a big mistake. But what do I know? I'm just a rubber chicken. <laughs> My latex friend, thank you for sharing that. What? Oh, running for president? We'll talk about that some other time because we've got to get on with Rantcast, Lewis Black's Rantcast 52, entitled On the Road Again. And as you can see, we are. We are not sitting in my little home studio, my little, uh, you know, public access studio that I've created. We're in, a, we're in a hotel room. Yes, we are. And I've done everything that I can to try to make this work. I have no tech here. It's just me. Even when I'm doing it at home, I have no tech, but I've been able to work and develop and, and figure out how to do it with some help from my friends, uh, from the crew that I work with. And... Um, uh, now I'm here by myself trying to work it out. And uh, the lighting takes weeks. I, I don't even know this is right. I know I'm getting a glare off the glasses. That's not right. Uh, I've done everything I can to try to get the glare off the glasses. I'm now looking down like this and there is no glare on the glasses. But this is the exciting behind the scenes stuff that really makes for, for really great uh, public access uh, YouTube videos. Um, it's great to be with you again. Um, I am uh, right now in Celeron, New York. Celeron is the ancestral home of the brilliant, very talented, extraordinary actress and comedian, Lucille Ball. Uh, just uh, right near where I'm staying is a uh, statue that they made of her, I believe, in 2002. And it was a very ugly statue. Ooh. Mm. Um, and so in 2016, uh, they built another. The other is hidden somewhere. Uh, if I had a big crew up here, <laughs> we'd go down there um, and show it to you. But uh, we've got to get on with this. Uh, uh, Celeron is uh, the, the home of uh, Lucille Ball. And as a result, um, is just down the road from Jamestown, New York where every year for the past 40 or so years, I believe, it, uh, they have been celebrating uh, her, uh, her life, her talent, her gifts with the Lucille Ball Festival, um, actually, which is uh, coming up uh, this week. And uh, the, um, it is not, uh, doesn't have the presence it used to have. It's uh, because of uh, the, the pandemic, but um, you could still come up here and visit uh, an extraordinary uh, series of uh, uh, exhibits, uh, one being um, really uh, the, the kind of the history of how th that show, uh, the, the, the I Love Lucy, developed, um, uh, the costumes, the set, um, and then further on, her history is a, uh, which is because one of the things was after she left, um, after the marriage broke and uh, she uh, she really became a, an extraordinary executive of her own right and uh, continued to, to create some, um, uh, you know, made inroads uh, in an industry that in which women, of course, were, you know, you don't, you're not going to be an executive, really, uh, even though you're Lucille Ball and a genius. Um, but she, uh, they, they came up, it's, it's well worth it just to get a sense of the history of television. Uh, 
you know, for those of you who are still interested in it, those, the, you know, the others are probably still, or now the next generation will be interested in the history of uh, how big, how did they fit all that on a screen this big? It's also uh, Jamestown as a result, uh, you know, and I've talked about this many, many times, uh, developed. Uh, uh, the National Comedy Center, which is now uh, an extraordinary uh, uh, a, a, a place, museum, the Library Congress of Comedy, where uh, you can see, uh, literally walk into a room and be surrounded by um, the, the, the mind of George Carlin and his work. And it is, for that alone, worth the trip to Jamestown. Um, Kelly Carlin had given those papers over to uh, all of his, uh, really his legacy uh, in terms of his work over to the, the center. That was, I believe, the tipping point in terms of making things happen. We, um, we're, we, uh, they have the Smothers Brothers, they have Shelley Berman. I was just back down there the other day with my friend Mark Lynn Baker, and um, who uh, is is a uh, you know no, you know from Perfect Strangers, and certainly a stickler for detail when it comes to a Museum of Comedy, and he was uh, he was very impressed. It's truly worth your time and your energy, and a great place uh, for those who have kids to uh, bring them and run it through it, and uh, and they can you can share uh, your memories with them, and they can uh, share with you what it is that uh, they they uh, that excites them and makes them laugh if you don't know because uh, literally it is uh, uh, it's it goes from uh, young to old in there in terms of every type of comedy uh, and uh, genre and uh, medium it's 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 I'm I'm thrilled to have been a uh, 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 to be a part of it and to do whatever I can to spread the word about it. And um, it really needs to to find uh, its audience. I, I think people don't really realize out there, uh, I'm uh, I'm not the one, I can only get out the message so, so far. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get others to make sure that, uh, you know, with, 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 with bigger footprints, bigger social media footprints than I have to get the word out because it is... Uh, spectacular. They have a comedy festival each year, which I've been a part from the very beginning. And Jamestown, let me say, uh, is a village that was racked. Um, it was part of that rust belt uh, in its its own right. I don't know really what you'd call it. I mean, economically depressed still. Uh, and hopefully um, this comedy center can uh, really uh, bring back, uh, bring an economy here it's already begun to do that, and um, certainly uh, more would help. It's, uh, it's, it's, it used to be the furniture capital of New York State, probably the Northeast, and um, uh, it was really uh, booming. And then, you know, uh, as, as, as things went on, it, uh, it, it lost that. It, there's still uh, furniture being made up here, and it's uh, still quite remarkable, uh, and it still continues to grow. Uh, and, uh, so the, the Lucille Ball legacy has, uh, evolved into something greater than, uh, than even I think, well, that she actually had imagined. I mean, she, she had always said that, uh, she didn't want something to really just honor her. She wanted to, she felt that she wouldn't be remembered. Well, good luck with that. Um, but that she felt that she wanted to, uh, you know, really, uh, focus on all of comedy and, and that's been done by the, by the folks who live here. I'm sitting too on a beautiful lake. 
This place is spectacular. It's a magnificent lake out there, Lake Chautauqua. Uh, the Chautauqua Institution, uh, which was st- started as a, uh, a Methodist um, uh, camp, really, for adults, an adult education camp, if you will. And uh, um, I've already gone, uh, I guess, eight minutes and have not really cracked anything of any humorous sense at all. And it just irritates the shit out of me. But I will continue to persevere. The Chautauqua Institution is, if you're wondering, you know, is there a place where adults are speaking intelligently to each other? Um, there is. And uh uh, and I was stunned the first time I came here years, four years ago now, um, and uh, and spoke to them. Uh, it, 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 it's an institution that has been around for a, a hundred years. Uh, and uh, Amelia Earhart uh, landed her plane on the golf course out there she, when she had to, when she spoke here. Everyone and their mother has spoken here, um, and it is there in the uh, amphitheater here at Chautauqua, at the institution. I did my first performance of, of uh, my first show at the amphitheater. It's an outdoor space. Uh, I've been on that stage four times. And there are two reasons I chose to do it there. One, I was asked. That always helps. Well, three. Two, it's outdoors. And that was really important, especially at the time. And, uh, and now, as we can see what's happening is... Uh, we we move into flames again with the folks um, with the numbers skyrocketing because people aren't getting vaccinated and um, uh, uh, so uh, I was I I really wanted to work I, I thought if there's any stage that I would want to work it would be um, that stage uh, um, I didn't want to go into comedy clubs at this point and work on my act as my good friend Kathleen Madigan had done um, and. Uh, she really kind of helped me along doing this because I was getting her reports on what it was like dealing with trying to come back. It, I mean, it's been really for, for her and for me, it's 500 days, 500 days from the, uh, our last performances. And, um, uh, she was, uh, it, 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 it really helped to, uh, you know, calm me down and, and help me relax a little about working again. I've, I felt very comfortable in that room. Uh, that room is seasoned by the hundred years of people's, even though it has even been uh, kind of renovated and people argue about whether it should have been renovated. No, uh, that's that area, that space is uh, seasoned by the, 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 the thousands of speakers who have spoken so well there. It's just a comfortable space to be in. I mean, I literally, when I thought about working there, I thought I could walk around that stage and do my act. And no one had to be there. And that's really true. I'm very comfortable speaking on that stage. It's beautiful. It reminds me of, a, in its fashion, of the, the Ryman Auditorium in uh, Nashville, a great space. Another great space, seasoned over the years by, uh, 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 you know, performance after performance by tremendous artists. It just makes the room comfortable. It was great to be back on the stage. It, uh, it made me feel human again. It made me uh, feel like I actually, you know, uh, could could get could do it again. Uh, it, the the, uh, the 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 leading up to it was about six weeks of utter hell, of sitting there trying to do something I never do, which is to really write out an act. Part of it was a part of my act was was already things that I had been doing before that did not go in that last special, the last show that I did, and so um, and these things which are 
you'll you'll see in the upcoming uh, year uh, two major things: one about health health care, and one about um, gun violence. And uh, the uh, and it's not a lecture on gun violence; it's an actual story that actually happened. And you can't argue with the story, can you? No, you can't because it happened. Um, and gives a context for what I want to say. Uh, healthcare was actually happened to me. Um, and so, uh, those two, I had those two blocks and I knew I had those and I needed to really come up with other stuff. Uh, and, and I wanted to tell the story of what uh, really had happened to me during the pandemic and kind of share that with folks because uh, it seemed to be the way to go. Um, and, uh, so I wrote out this stuff and, I'm, and then when I'm doing that without an audience, I'm blind. It's like, uh, I'm just, I'm no sense. I'm deaf, blind. Um, uh, I walked on that stage though, let me say, and, um, the, the room just was, uh, the, the audience was unbelievable. The energy was extraordinary that came over the, the, uh, onto that stage that rolled from, from them to me. I, uh, it, it was not... You know, I, people would say, but what do you miss doing comedy? No, what I missed was my relationship with my audience because that was my primary relationship. Uh, I was, one of the things I've said, I did not, uh, that, was the, that was what I chose. I married my career and really I married my audience. That's who I needed to do four nights a week, three nights a week, five nights a week. Get out there and talk to them and exchange with them and try to be, uh, let that fourth wall drop so that there really was a proper exchange between us and have, have the audience guide me as much as I was guiding them. They were probably generous in their laughter. As Kathleen said, it was like, um, you know, it, they were really, uh, when she did uh, Reno, uh, you know, that was really, she said it was like the audience was like, you know, way hyped up, much like we would get with the, uh, when we perform for the troops, the audience is just hungry for, uh, what do you got? What do you got? You got anything? And I try to give them my best. And they certainly gave me my best. And there were all sorts of comments. And I think I did the best that I could. And uh, But what thrilled me was is I got through 40 minutes before I had to look at my notes. And that I could just be comfortable and relaxed and talk, which has always really been the the, the, the signature of the, the, for me of a the underlying, for me, underlying all of my performances, that comfort level of being able to wander the stage and say what I wanted because I knew that um, I could, uh, if it was not going well, I could find, I had a place to go. And I I had jokes that I could rely on, few and far between, as you can see in this Rantcast 52, entitled On the Road Again. And it's good to be back. I will not be hitting the road again until September. And I'm not sure um, uh, exactly uh, how that's going to work. But, but, but before we get to that, they did a production of a play of mine called The Deal here with my friends Mark Lynn Baker and Joe Grafazzi. Uh It's in uh, uh, nothing, nothing Sacred. I put it in the back of that just so that people could read it because I think it's, uh, I think it's the best one act I wrote. I think maybe the best play I've written. Um, it was about, it was a commission play, uh, way back 40 years ago about greed. And I was, uh, I had not read the play in a long time and I was not going to look at it. Uh, I left Mark and Joe to, to work out the production themselves because they're brilliant comedians, physically, physical comedians, tremendous, great actors. They get it. 
they they didn't even need a director. They both <laughs> direct each other. And um, I sat there watching this thing, and it was when I wrote it. The, the uh, a lot of the humor came from the fact of my kind of like uh, thinking about what the two greedy guys sitting around cutting a deal. The greediest men on earth. Like now, men. It was like uh, you know um, Trump, let's say, and. Uh, Ross Perot or, uh, you know, Warren Buffett or, uh, you know, these type of guys, um, you know, two very well, or guys so wealthy, you don't even know who they are. And now, like, it would be a, a Bezos and a, or Bezos and a um, Musk. But uh, but it, the initial play was really, uh, initially when it, when it was done, uh, it was about, what, you know, oh, you know, they're so rich they can. Now it was, now it had become, so I was making, you know, kind of a conjecture about what they could do. Now it turns out they did it. So something that had been kind of a futuristic uh, deal now became uh, it, like it, as many in the audience felt like they did not know because I did not introduce it in this way. They didn't know until after that I'd written it 40 years ago. They thought I'd written it this week. I mean, this past year. And, uh, and, and, and that makes me very happy. And I hope that some of you get a chance to read it. And I hope that somehow if I can find a second short play to go with it, uh, of which I have some, but not as really as, as hopefully as none is as strong as that. And, uh, but I'd love to get that done. And if nothing else, just, to, it, was, it was done, but the Sundance channel, uh, had it on, it was done as a film The Joker Fozzie's in. Uh, but I still, in the end, like the stage play more uh, because of the intimacy of it. And uh, they did a remarkable job outdoors. Uh, and uh, and then we did a a, a a little class in comedy uh, that we did for that we talked about. Well, it was a discussion of comedy and uh, that basically Mark and Joe did. And we had some uh, clips, and that was great. And so it was a great week. I'm exhausted. Um, from having done work, I mean, real work in front of real people. It's a lot of people. Most, you know, there's a uh, it really literally uh, most of the folks here are vaccinated um, on the on the grounds. Um, and uh, one would hope that uh, everyone would be vaccinated by now. Please, 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 please go do it. Okay, because this has been making crazy. Now they're saying you got to wear masks again. Well, part of the reason you got to wear masks again is in hopes that there's not a breakthrough case with you. Okay, let's get through this breakthrough case thing, which is used probably by those who uh, go to the. Uh, not, I'm not. I'm not interested in real information websites, and they think it means that people are are getting really sick who had the vaccine. They're not getting really sick. I've watched it a thousand times. I'm tracking this for for from the very very beginning. Okay, and the fact of the matter matter is, is that um, the chances of being hospitalized are practically nil unless you have a, a major underlying condition. Uh, and, but and mostly if you uh, are, you know, you have a real immune problems, but there's so few. Uh, and they keep saying it's only one percent, one percent, one percent, one percent of the folks are having these breakthrough cases. And, the, the, and, if, you, and, and if the fuckers don't get vaccinated, there will be more of them. OK. And uh, it means that you are asymptomatic, and you get where you or you end up uh, 
you kind of get like uh, Lindsey Graham had he had a sniffle, but Lindsey Graham says, okay, you should go do it. But then nobody trusts Lindsey Graham because he really wasn't, he's not Trumpy enough for everybody. I mean, it just fucking drives me fucking crazy because it really makes it hard for me to figure out, you know, going back on the road again, uh, because all of a sudden it's like, you know, the, the, you know, we're on fire again. Do I really want to put myself at risk? Okay. I have an underlying condition. Do I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, I'm old, <laughs> you know. I'm past that the the uh, the date I, the date due thing the uh, when to be served by. I've got um, and I'm an idiot, you know. And I forget to do certain things. And so I did. I wash my hands. And I put the mask on. Blah, blah, blah. So you know, the thing is, is that we're wearing that mask. We're being told to wear that mask again in many places because one is to protect the person who uh, might have that condition. Uh, two is, is that a lot of the reason we're wearing it is because people who do have the vaccination can spread it, can spread COVID. And so we are doing the job that they should be doing by vaccinating themselves. So we have to wear the mask to protect them. Are you fucking kidding me? And protect ourselves from them? I, this is madness. This is complete madness. And now the, you know, and and, and and we're run by people, you know, the, the country is run by people who are insane. You know, the Congress just gets around to an infrastructure bill. They've had all this time. We're going to get to where we really are. They're not even dealing with voting rights, which is massively important, massively important, massively important, massively important. I don't care what you do. You know, you want to clear up a few things. Yeah, I get my, like, to be sure of A, B, and C. Yeah, little things that might want to be, you might want to be sure done. Okay. There was no voter fraud, no voter fraud, no voter fraud, no voter fraud. Okay, but we, it's not repeated enough to people out there who seem to think that there was because because in Arizona, they in Maricopa County, which I'll be performing in or maybe not, maybe depending on where Arizona is at that point, you know, that uh, they didn't uh, that they did the recount again. And then they and they found nothing, nothing, not a fucking thing. And they fucked up the machines. And now the people in Arizona have to pay for the machines. It's just it's insanity. It's insanity on top of insanity on top of insanity. It's, it's madness on levels that are disturbing. And so we've got to deal with, um, uh, it's, it's just beyond belief that they, they are just sitting down. They're going to finish the infrastructure bill this week. Okay, why? Because that, what they discovered is summer vacation. They want to get it done before the recess. They hate to lose their summer vacation. So shut the fuck up, adults. When you talk to your children and say, boy, how come you didn't do this thing before? Try to get them to do it. But the people who are the major leaders in this country, the people who should be the shining examples of get it done, you know, you've got a homework assignment. Maybe you should think about it uh, from the very beginning and get it done weeks in advance. Didn't. So they're waiting till the very fucking end because they needed a deadline. And apparently that's what every monkey that all of us who don't have, uh, you know, fur on our bodies and consider ourselves human. We all wait for a deadline. We can't afford it. All right. Because one thing that they could have done was at least sit down and fill in the blanks on what uh, needed to be done and where it needed to be done and how it should be done and what money to spend where and what bridge might fall first. And where does where do they where do they desperately need uh, the Internet and wireless to happen? And can you please try to figure out, get that money to the places it needs to be done first? OK, where the roads are shit. All right. Come on. 
and have places where they have financing around to do it. Just figure it out. They didn't do it. Now they're running like rats. You know, they, oh, God, we got to get it. We got to get into the pool because it's summer. Uh, we've got to jump into the pool. I got to get off the boat. You know, I'm not, I'm not interested in steering the boat. Come on. It's just appalling. How, how is it possible that um, we've, over time, that uh, people got vaccinated, uh, like no problem at all when it came to polio, no problem at all. There might have been a little blowback. Um, it, and it was, it was a, that, that people feared, you know, paralysis, really, and more now, they feared paralysis more than we fear death. It's, what do you say? I just don't think having nurses who we trust really be the ones to be the messenger to say, maybe, you know, it's, you know, they, there's not enough proof and there is proof. Okay. I sat there and watched and even the, the guy and she's going, no, no, well, there is. Um, and we're moments away from the finalization of that. They've been dealing with this for years. I'm tired of talking about it. And I'm sorry I talk about it so much. But I really believe that if if, if you're out there and you listen to me and somebody uh, recently uh, tweeted me, oh, yes, they did, that uh, they had been vaccinated. And I'm thrilled. And thank you. If I made any difference whatsoever for you to get that vaccination, I'm thrilled. Um, that's what's got to be done. Where we move nowhere. And, and finally, too, uh, you know, um, Going back on the stage again was was really brutal in a lot of ways, and it created a real fear. And having been in lockdown and all of that, and then to go back in front of all those people, there was that kind of um, you're still nervous before you're going out there. And, um, but knowing, I knew that once I got out there, that there would be a certain comfort level. And then I knew that after that comfort level, if I didn't start on the right foot, things could go bad at any second. So your brain is kind of going at it, you know, as it has, as it did for many of us, at least for myself over those 500 days. But you then to have Simone Biles kind of, um, you know, step back and say she can't deal with it at the Olympics and then have people pounding her for this, the amount of pressure. My pressure was 1,500 people. And maybe some of them would, would send out things going, Lewis Black sucks. <laughs> he came on stage. I don't think he should be co- do comedy again. He's, his hair's gotten grayer and he's lost a little weight so he doesn't have any gravitas. <laughs> but, it, but it's 1,500 people. This young girl has to carry the weight of this country's hopes and dreams. I don't know, yes, they're hopes and dreams. Because representing this country is exhausting. Because a lot of people put way too much into it, way, way too much into it. We have to show the rest of the world how great we are. No, we don't. Get a grip. Why don't we enjoy ourselves rather than get so fucking uptight about how great we fucking are? We're not that great anymore, folks. All right? No. We're, you know what we are? We're great at being stupid. That's our greatness. But to take, because to, to, to put this girl under that kind of pressure, because not only was she in the bubble, of, of, of COVID, but she's also in the bubble of, of, of gymnastics. It's two bubbles removed, actually, from society in general. So she's in this other world and then has to, and then has kind of put, made the face of the Olympics. Every time you turn on the TV, you're going to be on there. It's too much. It's too much to expect a girl that age to be able to deal with it and then to, to come after. And, and, then, uh, and then finally, too, this January 6th thing. 
They finally start up that, and and uh, and the Republicans can't put five people on that. Come on, please. Well, I think they're no. You got Liz Cheney on there, and Kissinger, Kissinger, I guess it is, and Liz Cheney is about Liz Cheney's political views. Make me go. I, I'm so far uh, to the left of her. I'm beyond communist China. I don't even know if there's a place that's that psychotic <laughs> and that's and that's too authoritarian. I don't know if there's a place where you just where she's her point of view is what it is. And she's so conservative. It's astonishing. And I made jokes about her father for years, but God bless the fact that she at least saw what happened that day. And this, these poor cops, there's today four more, it was four suicides of police who, uh, you know, that they were traumatized to that point. And these Republicans sit there and don't think that you look at that picture, just one picture of photo. You don't want to say, uh, how did this happen? Because you, what, are you afraid of that they're going to try to put it, pin it on Trump? Then say, we're not going to try to pin it. Just try to figure out what, how the fuck it happened. All right? Because it's vital. The security of, our, of, 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 the, of the governing body is vital. Uh-huh. And then Fanon, the, the, the officer who was beaten to shit and abused and then had a heart attack and thought he was going to die and then gets home after all this and they're leaving phone messages that, uh, that he's a pussy, yes, and that, they, uh, somebody, and that they're going to come and kill him. What's the matter with us, huh? And the Republicans hear that and don't think that maybe we should take a look. We don't need to do that. We don't need to really look into where that's happening. There's no such thing as white supremacist organizations. They don't really, you know, it's not worth the votes. There are not that many votes. Probably some don't even know how to get to a voting machine. And that's the way it's been here. I'm glad to be out again. I don't know uh, what the tour is going to be like because uh, until they, they they just have started the PTSD campaign again, with, uh, we're not going to, you know, the explosion of uh, of these numbers is, is maddening. And it takes you back to that time frame that you're, at least for me, when I was sitting at home, locked down, uh, talking to Kathleen every other day and my other friends going, going what are we going to do? How do we deal with this? What do we do? Just... Um, to, you know, uh, did you get information? How do we put this information together? Because even we noticed that we had misinformation coming to us, and now we have uh, information that is not getting to us in a, in a direct and solid manner. It's just, we're still trying to figure out, you know, we're really trying to get people vaccinated. That's our real teaching. Now, very excited that uh, today we are on the road. We're on the road in, in Celeron and uh, the rant is due that we did in, um, we haven't done one of these in a long time, that we did in 2020, February 6th. We were rolling into Coral Springs, very beautiful, Florida, hot spot now. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> off the charts. We were at the Coral Springs Center for, for the Arts. Uh, and it was uh, it was a really good night. Uh, that whole year was. I'm not being waxing uh, nostalgic because it was you know it was wonderful. Because, you know uh, because it really was. the 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 writing got better and better and better. And uh, and it's why I've kind of asked folks to continue to write now because uh, they'd reached a plateau. I mean a real 
a real um, sense of style uh, and really smart writing. And, and I'm still getting stuff that's terrific. And I'm getting forms of anger <laughs> that are astonishing. Some of the stuff I can't even read. People are really pissed. If I haven't read yours and you were really, really angry, it's just I didn't want to get us all in trouble. Okay. You know, um, some of you said stuff that was just, I know you didn't mean, <laughs> you know, but, or maybe you did. And I want to thank you all again. Uh, I hope to see you down the road soon. And uh, we'll be coming. I won't be with you next week This uh, because I'll be, I'm taking a break, taking a little vacation. I wouldn't call it a vacation. Well, yeah, it is a vacation. I'm going to be uh, working on my golf game and then, um, coming back up here to to uh, to uh, the National Comedy Center to do a try to figure out a couple of things because I think I'm trying to do a travel show and I'd like it to be about Jamestown one of them in, in Chautauqua because I think it's an interesting story and there are a couple of really good restaurants I want to introduce you to and, uh, um, and some jokes I want to tell along the way we'll see if we can get it done we'll, I don't know I may come back here and figure out if we can do a shoot here and then uh, and then I'll see mom. And then you'll be getting another Rantcast 53 entitled, um, who knows? Thanks for joining me. Thanks, uh, thanks to all who came out to see that show. Thanks for all the nice things you've been saying on Twitter. And uh, uh, thanks for everything. I, I can't tell you how deeply I appreciate um, uh, what you've given to me. Take care. Have a good week. Enjoy your break from me. <laughs> A rant by Mark Epping Jordan. Hi, Lewis. President Biden announced new masking guidelines because of the Delta variant being spread even by vaccinated people. And the media once again calls them confusing. Why the fuck are they confusing? When it's raining, you put on a raincoat. Huh? <laughs> when it stops raining, you take it off. When it rains again, you put it back on. Are you confused? If it's raining in South Carolina, people in Seattle don't need to wear a raincoat. <laughs> but when it's pouring in Seattle, they do. How the fuck is anything about masking when the virus is spreading in your area? Confusing. Fuck the fucking media and their fucking focus on confusion. They fucking make up. Huh? I added that, huh, Mark? For emphasis. Uh, and thank you. Thank you for, uh, for getting that off your chest and sharing it with us. And it is true. Bree Walters uh, bought a pillow and it set her off. Also got her a little upset with her kids. <laughs> I'm not sure which is really what the rant's about, if it's about the pillow or the kids, but it, it's certainly enjoyable to read and you can certainly see why she's pissed. So let her rip. Hey, Lewis, I bought a $200 pillow the other day. Well, for starters, whew. well, I was hoping to alleviate my chronic neck cramps or headaches as I wake up. The pillow had many glowing reviews, so I took a chance. I was told on Sunday when I bought it that it would be ready by Tuesday. Tuesday comes and my three oh-so-beloved children made me want to kill myself, so I didn't go retrieve it. I did call to make sure the store had it, however. 
They said the warehouse had it, and I need to pick it up there. Well, thanks for the heads up. The warehouse is an hour away from me. I scoop up my six, three, and two-year-old and dump them in the car to go get it. I leave around 10 a.m., expecting to be home by around 12.30. I get to the warehouse, and it takes around 10 minutes to get it. Not a problem. But I'm anxious as I left the kids in the car with the windows down since it's hot as balls and I don't want them to destroy the office in their tiny terrorist ways. The pillow they come out with is the wrong one. It's sad and deflated much like a flaccid penis. Utter depression when you look at it. What the fuck? The fuck if I'm going to sleep on a $200 deflated penis pillow? And who can blame you? I inform them this is wrong, but they can't fix it. I need to call the store and get them to fix it internally, which is fucking stupid. You have my goddamn receipt. Why can't you fix it? I call the number and no one answers. I call a slightly different number. And the lady puts me on hold for almost 10 minutes, only to tell me she can't reach anyone to fix this. She then gave me the number I called in the first place that didn't answer. I'm surprised I didn't have a stroke in my car. I proceed to call the number, only to let it ring for two minutes and then be placed on hold because we have a higher amount of calls than usual. Gee, could that be because your employers are pieces of shit that can't maintain a decent number of employees that ah, that can actually fix shit and not piss customers off? I drove 20 minutes back to the furniture store. I had to try and discuss the issue with an employee while making sure my asshole children weren't breaking things or running amok in people's ways. Toddlers suck in public. I wish I had brought the leashes. I got it fixed and drove another 20 minutes to the warehouse, got my fucking pillow, got the baby's lunch, and drove back home with one constantly jibber-jabbering and never shutting the fuck up. One that was constantly hungry and stole my lunch after she ate hers, and then some. And one constantly crying because she never got food, even though she got a whole bag of random stuff she specifically likes. For an hour on the drive home. Gee, Lewis, why didn't you have kids? Well, you've explained it. (laughs) That pillow set you off about sleep gear. The, the state of affairs in terms of service in the service industry, I wouldn't call it a service industry, but getting service. I hope the pillow's working and that you've got your kids and you've got them working now and everything's going well. You've given them their military marching orders. God, it started with, it started with the pillow and ended with the kids. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Bree. Kieran Richardson has been sending in uh, his rants and ravings and stories and tales for quite some time. And, uh, you know, I'd read more of them, uh, but uh, there are too many and I don't want to, uh, uh, I can't make it about him or uh, some of the others who do a lot of writing. I want to get as many folks on as I can, but uh, it's, uh, I put Kieran back in the rotation because I think it's his turn again. And, uh, There'll be more from him as we roll on down the road, I can assure you. And this is, this is kind of a confessional rant, I would put it, in, in, in terms of, like that. 
a rant that's a confession or a confession that's a rant. I hope Karen agrees. <laughs> I've been married so long, I'm starting to dream that I'm cheating on her. I'm not fucking kidding. Woke up in a hot sweat, half covered with a down blanket and fully wrapped in guilt. For 32 years, she had told me about her dreams of me cheating on her. Impossible dream scenarios that had me playing the unlikely Lothario. I had a dream you were cheating on me, she would say. No details, no names, places, or dates, but they led to days of distant tones, distance tones, with side-eyed glances and suspicious questions. All false feelings, all the time. But maybe it's a signal we are not close. She could still be pissed about that sock I left on the floor or that I didn't empty the dishwasher for more than 40 minutes after it finished. Maybe it's her own guilt for focusing on other things. Hmm? Maybe I'm looking more pissed at the world than usual. Yeah, read these Lewis Black rants for a few minutes. That's more likely. Hmm? I can't even handle just one woman at a time. She's got so much energy and ideas. Can't I just lay here for another hour? My nightmare is disappointing two females at once. If you had a wife and a girlfriend, can you imagine the number of hours you would spend outside public bathrooms holding a purse? Huh? The honey-do list would come in chapters. I'm a man. We could be thinking about sex every seven seconds or not, but it's at least seven times a day. Not all of those thoughts involve the wife. Often they are disembodied parts. An apple round ass, long thighs shaped like chicken wings, Ample breast meat. Wait, maybe it's food and not sex I'm obsessed with. Anyway, with age and experience, I haven't heard much about her dreams lately. I can't remember the last time we had two days of hardly talking because she had a dream. But here we are. Her dreams crossed the chasm and jumped into my head. I don't remember any of the good parts of a cheating dream. Just that horrible aftermath of shame and lies. Took me a couple of minutes to fully awaken and realize it was just a nightmare, nothing more. But I have to say, it was the first sex dream I've ever had that scared the crap out of me. Is it possible? She has a machine that implants her thoughts in my head? Is there some sort of psychic connection that can reach through pillows? Shit, I don't know. But I know this inception isn't good for a relationship. It better stop right here and now. Or maybe I can reverse the polls and put my dreams in her head. No, let's, let's just stop this shit right here. Nothing good can come from this kind of shared nightmare. You're right, Karen. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And thank you for sharing that. Quite a nice tale. A lovely confessional disguised as a rant. Or a rant disguised as a confessional. Always a pleasure to read your stuff. A fan is a little upset, more than a little upset, irritated. More than irritated, a little angry. Mm, he's pissed. You'll see why. I've heard this complaint from others. I'll share it with you now. Great work on the Rantcast, Lewis. You are saving a lot of people's sanity with it. I'm one of those people, but God fucking damn it, do I not have time for Spotify's bullshit? 
the speed and bass of your latest podcast is all off. Now, it wasn't yesterday when I started it, but while trying to get through the second half just now, it sounds like a slow-talking demon is coming through my fucking headphones. Though a lot of what he is saying resonates, I thought, hey, I'm burnt out from work. Maybe I just accidentally changed the speed of the podcast and I'm overreacting to something I caused. Nope. Turns out all I can do is to try and adjust it. It is to simply speed up the demonic voice. The second thought was that maybe it is the app, but no, it's, it's, it's just the most recent episode of the Rantcast, not any other episodes or any other podcast. A fucking course. Oh, I naturally then went down the online rabbit hole to see if I was the only one. one. And sure enough, I'm not. It looks like this happens with various podcasts periodically. Oh, oh, oh. It was clear that there wasn't much I could do. Certainly not much more. And that said, this pain in the ass was an opportunity for reflection. It made me realize how much I look forward to the Rancast and how much it helps to hear you and others' view on things even if I don't agree with all of them. So instead of searching around, I decided to come here to leave you this note to say thanks for the Rantcast and to say to Spotify to get your fucking shit together. I don't pay you a subscription only to have to go to Apple Podcasts to get my rant fix. Are you listening, Spotify? My, my friend, my fan, had something to say to you. I did hear that from a number of people, and I'm apologized for that. Um, I don't know how that happened. Maybe it was in, maybe it was kind of they were experimenting to see if they could sell me better as a demon from hell, a demon spawn. <laughs> and that they'll get right, and then that'll be that'll come up as words as I made that noise would be. Spotify's great. Spotify's great. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I did hear from a lot of people. And I was upset. And I'm, hopefully, they, it's, I'm glad to hear it's happened to others. Hopefully, they've gotten it fixed. And you don't have to go through that shit again. You can also see it now on YouTube because I'm filming it. <laughs> and this is a very, it's weird to film it by yourself in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the middle of, well, it's not nowhere. I'll, I'm, you'll hear at the beginning of the Rantcast. You've already heard it. Tom Wade had this to share with us about the virus. A lot of people had a lot of things to share about the virus this week. And uh, I didn't want to just uh, read virus rants. <laughs> Not only would it be too many virus rants, but we were all, we've all been ranting. Um, whatever side we're on with the virus. <laughs> and I really think there's only one side. Vaccinate. Um, but this is what uh, Tom Wade had to say. Lewis. I imagine, like many others, we are getting very tired of this whole virus thing going on. Oh, there are many others, Tom. I'm just wondering, does anybody have any real data that compares people who have had the vaccine versus people who haven't had the vaccine and their status of how sick they get? As a Florida resident, this is getting ridiculous. Why don't we see any real data about stuff that actually matters? Not how many people got sick this week, but how many this week got sick and had immunizations and then actually had symptoms versus people that have had no shots? 
I like how the former president's idiots are finally telling their constituents that they need to get immunized. Wow, it's about goddamn time. What were they expecting to happen? Somebody to reach down from the heavens and tell them they need to protect themselves? We have seen people from across the country move this way to get away from the virus. But are they really helping? Huh? Or are they just agreeing with their favorite governor's ideas? Lost in Florida. Ah, oh, Tom. And you, as of this morning, uh, most cases. But we won't be changing any mandates there because why would you? There's really no reason to mask up and no reason. It's finally asking for immunization, you know, but no need to mask up. No need to really follow any real health instructions because things are going so well there. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Astonishing. Incredible. In my lifetime, I didn't think it possible. And so it goes. Thank you, Tom. My cow sent this our way. I'm glad he did. Louis, I need to report another COVID fatality. My give a fuck has passed away. I don't even know when it died. Last night, I was watching another tearjerker item on the 6 p.m. news about a man who appears to be dying of COVID. He is unvaccinated. His crying family is unvaccinated. I think I'm a compassionate person, but I realized that I didn't give a fuck what happens to this moron. Once my flash of rage dissipated, I paused to wonder, where did my give a fuck go? I sat in silence, searching my brain, and finally found its corpse. It had written on the wall, you can't cure stupid, and had cut its wrists. Yeah, I am pissed off. The longer this shit show continues, the more pissed off I get. Times of crises tend to bring out the best in people. Folks helping each other during floods or other disasters of common occurrences. But not during COVID. Hell no. Nearly half of our citizens don't give a shit about anything but perpetuating stupid. Seriously, I didn't think this crisis would fundamentally change me. Sadly, it has. God, maybe only temporarily, I hope. Mike Howe, Susanville, California. Well, I understand that, Mike. I talked about that empathy factor a few weeks ago, and it's, they're wearing it out of people, bored out of you. It's hard. You know, I got a couple of things I'm not reading this week because they were about, you know, um, you know basically they were, and long, rants and, and very detailed and really well written and I just couldn't, couldn't in the midst of the, the horror that's occurring they what the what the folks were writing was that um, you know that basically that, that what they felt the advice should be for those who didn't want to get vaccinated was to make sure that they absolutely didn't get vaccinated and that and the result that they would get sick and they would they would die <laughs> it was that that was really why, why push for their vaccinations if this is the way they were going to act. And but it, they were much uh, they were they were written uh, much better than what I just said. But they were really brutal, and I just couldn't break myself to read them. And I, I kind of apologize for that. 
maybe my empathy factor has risen too much during the pandemic and I've, I've, I've become uh, unable to do that. Just unable to. Just unable to kind of, you know, beat my, uh, beat my plowshares into swords. Well, did you hear that? I kind of flipped it. Thank you for that, Mike. And, uh, and thanks for all of you who sent in those uh, really disturbing ones. Regina Downich has sent in a tale that is, um, it's a tough one. And uh, it's probably hard for her to write and hard for her to share. And I'm reading it because I'm hoping uh, it will help her. I think that's why she wrote it. And um, I'm hoping it helps her. I know, uh, and, I, and I think it'll make a difference to you out there listening. Uh, in its own way by hearing it. And it certainly makes, it made a difference to me um, when I read it. And, uh, and I'm sure it will after, after reading it aloud. If I, and I hope I get it correctly, Regina. I am a burn victim slash survivor. To tell the story would be too complex. I am burnt on 39% of my body with third degree burn on 39% of my body. It is nicely located on my neck and right arm. Although this is certainly not funny and has left me physically, mentally, and more importantly, financially depleted. Getting medication is no joke, yet the only way I can move. This keeps me in a constant state of hyperarousal. I understand about the opiate crisis, but there are some folks that honestly need them. I know this is no joking matter. However, for me to be prescribed these meds, I struck up a deal with my doctor in Woodstock. I live in New Pulse and did not try. I have to call the office every 11 days because he needs 72 hours notice to send my scripts to the pharmacy. It takes me days on hold to get through to a fucking doctor's office. Took three days this time on hold for more than over two hours per day. A while back, I sent a Kathleen a dinner invitation for when you were both in New York, even though you don't know if I'm nuts. And I am, <laughs> but not a harmful nuts. Who would not be nuts? I was told I was beautiful all my life, inside and out. And then now I look like a monster and I cannot look in the mirror. I had $62,000 in IRAs and was out of my mind, yeah. I had plenty of time to move this money into my son's name. But how could I think of that when I had no skin on my body? So I spent all that money on medical bills and am now living on $11,000 a year. I worked all my life, starting in the early 70s. Minimum wage was like $3.15 an hour. And because I started as a waitress working at the Rocking Horse Ranch in Highland, I was paid $3 a meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Same tables, every meal. Where am I going with this, Lewis? I'm not sure. All I know is my life is a total rant. I just wanted to tell you how much I admire you. You make me feel like you understand me. And I just wanted to say how grateful I am. All I know is my life is a total rant. Well, it certainly is, Regina. It's, it certainly is. Every one of those lines could send someone screaming into the night. And um, I want to thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, I hope that my reading had helped in some fashion. I hope that uh, um, 
our society becomes more empathetic and that we realize that there are those like yourself who have to struggle on levels that are unimaginable, especially to those sitting in the, the Congress of this country who really have that or the king who sit in the, in, in, and go, boy, that's going to be too much money. You know, but I have no trouble giving it to away to others who, uh, who don't need it. I, I do hope, and not that money would be the answer for you, but boy, uh, $11,000 a year to live on. Whew. Under the kind of stress you're living under, not fair. I, I don't even have the words. Your words say it all. Thank you. Ross Parks, a neighbor from the north, <laughs> uh, sent this our way. And I'm glad he did. Okay, listen, Lewis, I've heard you say that we as Canadians have our shit together as it relates to COVID-19 and our healthcare system. Um, I'm not sure about COVID-19. I've, I've said a little bit about that. Uh, I've also heard some screw-ups there, too, from my Canadian friends. Yes, we do have a great healthcare system with its flaws, but nonetheless, it's comforting to know that if need be, we can go to the hospital and not have to mortgage our home. And we haven't had nearly the fatality rate as the U.S. has as it relates to COVID-19. Well, it wouldn't be tough. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for the laugh, guys, but it's true. But let me tell you this, Lewis, when it comes to selecting leaders of our respective countries, Canada and the USA, are both out of their fucking minds. Granted, the swelled up Cheeto was no doubt a kick to the teeth of satire for four plus fucking years, but at least you got rid of him after one goddamn term. What did we do? We reelected a fucking high school drama teacher to lead us and did so after his father almost bankrupted this fucking nation in the 70s. What the fuck is wrong with us? Humor me for a moment, Lewis, as I demonstrate the idiocy that is the right honorable fuckwit we call a prime minister. Here are some examples of his splendid fucking brilliance. He said, and I quote, there is something very special about imagining a female prime minister. Hey, fuck knuckle. We had a female prime minister in 1993. Jesus H. Christ. Two. When he spoke about a deficit, he said they uh, are a way of measuring the kind of growth and the kind of success that a government is actually able to create. I pause because I have no words and I'm not sure I can find my way back home. Three, he says there's a level of admiration I actually have for China because of their basic dictatorship. Go fuck yourself. A female college student who referenced mankind in a question posed to him and the leader of one of the greatest nations in the world replied with, we like to say people kind, not necessarily mankind. Lewis, this is idiocy on the level of which I have never seen before. He awards Omar Khadir. $10.5 million after he threw a fucking grenade that killed the U.S. medic in 2002 in Afghanistan, but then tells one of our soldiers that the money just isn't there to support our troops. You fucking no mind, self-serving, ignorant, fucking numb nuts, fuck. And not to mention that he awarded a government contract to a company that pays his mother tens of thousands of dollars for public fuck speaking events. 
Are you fucking shitting me? So in closing, Mr. Black, let me assure you that we here in the Great White North do not have our shit together. And we are not superior in any way other than the fact that we haven't stormed our own cap with pitchforks and ball bats like a band of fucking morons. But, but, but I digress. Please, Lewis, if we choose to allow this pontificating, pretentious pile of human excrement to continue to lead this country, go ahead and build a fucking wall between our borders because you don't want this fucking stupidity to be your next goddamn pandemic. You've done a wonderful job painting that picture of Mr. Justin Trudeau, who, uh, by the way, Kathleen Madigan just swoons over whenever she sees him. Swoons. I didn't know that uh, uh, the Pierre Trudeau, I guess, uh, his, I didn't know his dad bankrupted, nearly bankrupted you guys. But we won't be building a wall. We would have been if uh, the former leader was there. Probably would have built it and he would have blamed you guys for spreading the virus after the Chinese. Thanks for that, Ross. Eli Lanzer, he's uh, pissed. And so he's got a, a rant that, uh, that never grows old. A rant about, oh, oh, the stupidity, the stupidity that walks among us. Why in the name of God are people so damn stupid? I feel like we've become selective in what information we choose to receive. And that goes against everything society knows. My own father is somehow still convinced that this virus came from a lab. When fucking science has proven that to be total bullshit. I mean, what difference does that even fucking make? Whether the virus came from a lab or a bat or a piece of dirt on the ground. People are sick in fucking hospitals on ventilators. So stop the bullshit. Single moms working three jobs are getting vaccinated. And, and me and my 18-year-old friends are getting vaccinated because we have a goddamn clue what's good for us. But no, Jimmy from Home Depot doesn't need a vaccine because he doesn't want to be sick for one single fucking day. My entire campus will be vaccinated in the fall. It's not that hard. Huh? And the same Jimmy from Home Depot is hating on Simone Biles for removing herself from the Olympics when her mental struggles could have literally resulted in her death. And Jimmy from Home Depot, you haven't exercised or competed in anything in 20 years. So I know you think your fucking JD football experience gives you authority to talk, but let me tell you, it doesn't mean goddamn shit. Wake up, Jimmy from Home Depot. You and all the other morons in our world. Give me a break. Eli, well put, well said, and thank you for sharing. Good luck in school. And it's just amazing. I'm thrilled when uh, somebody uh, your age is actually listening. Because I start to feel sometimes that maybe I'm... Uh, you know, reach that kind of irrelevant stage. Well, he's old. What does he know? I'm glad if, uh, I'm glad you listen. I'm glad you sent something in. And if something else crosses your mind, you know, share it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Good luck with the idiots. There are a lot of them. <laughs> it's only the beginning. You thought you, you'd seen them all. Wait till you get to college. Woo! Joshua Franco has 
sent in a splendid rant about, uh, well, he's taken the off-ramp, took an exit here to another place. Um, so it's uh, it's really a kind of a treat because he's pissed about something and uh, it's it, it's really uh, quite splendid. <laughs> he could get pissed about this. I didn't see this thing that he's talking about, but I'm glad he saw it and I'm glad he's sharing this with us. I Lewis, longtime fan. I'm writing because perhaps you've seen a picture floating around the interwebs showing a picture of a pizza topped with slices of kiwi fruit. Hmm? It shows the picture, then says pineapple and non-pineapple people need to join forces because we now have a common enemy. Well, I just saw it. It made me lose my shit. No, uh, I think it's perfectly valid to say both the pineapple and Kiwi people are both wrong. Now, the pineapple people just found out what we've known all along. The fact that they want to use this to validate their own egregious behavior is hypocritical and a sort of weird privilege. They can dabble in the unholy, but no one else can. Get the fuck out of here. For real, though, the pineapple people are the ones who started this shit. It was us, right-minded, law-abiding, decent folk, who've been saying for years that shit shouldn't happen. We knew where it would lead, but didn't say anything, because how else would the pineapple people learn? Now they want to act all high and mighty and outraged. No, this is their fault. They went around defending their own god-awful monstrosity with the reckless abandon of a five-year-old hepped up on a Red Bull climbing into the driver's seat of a Bigfoot power wheels. What the fuck did they think was going to happen? Hmm? They know what the world we live in is like. And I know what you pineapple people are saying. Oh, Josh, how could we foresee this happening? We couldn't know bullshit. The only thing that's surprising is that this creation in the picture born in the seventh circle of hell hasn't reared its twisted visage sooner. They need to take responsibility and fix this themselves. Then they owe the rest of us people an apology, a long, groveling, tear-filled, begging for forgiveness apology. And we'll give it. In our magnanimity, we'll give it. But God damn it. If we ever let you pineapple people fucking forget it, next time you fuckers better listen to us when we raise objections. This is bullshit. Thank you. Warmest regards. Joshua Franco. Taking the pineapple pizza people to task, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. This um, rant comes to us anonymously, and it's about what we've been going through. Uh, one of the many that came in this week, and uh, I think a good representation. Short, sweet, and to the point. Thank you. Dear Lewis, thank you for providing an outlet during this never-ending shitshow pandemic. I'm a mom, healthcare manager, and an individual with autoimmune disease. How many times must we relive this fucked up long version of Groundhog Day? I live in the goddamn show me state, a state of misery. How many fucking doses of vaccine does it take to prove to someone it works? Huh? All these idiots are worried about long-term effects. Do they scrutinize the pills they take every day this much? What about the fast food? I've spent the last 10 years 
fighting and clawing my way into remission, and even a mild case of COVID after vaccination could throw me back into a brain fog of misery and despair with a motherfucking flare. Fuck you, fucking fuckers. Fuck you, fucking fuckers. Fuck you, fucking fuckers. For the love of the unbe-fucking-leavable, if you are not going to be vaccinated, wear a fucking mask. I have a right to the freedom of breathing COVID-free air. Anonymous and fed up. I can understand why you're fed up. And for those who don't know, the show me state, the state of misery is the fabulous state of Missouri, the uh, the home of the, the great Kathleen Madigan, like the Ozarks exploding with cases. Take care of yourself. Be good. Thank you. This is a rant from Garrett Jackson, and he's pissed about a lot of the things that folks have been pissed about in the rants this week. And I've only read a few of them, uh, but I wanted to throw Garrett's in because it has that uh, extra little touch of uh, when families uh, are divided over the issue. Uh, Here we go. Thanks, Garrett. Hey, Lewis. My family and I are fully vaccinated, which I thank Christ for letting my family and I survive this shitstorm a lot longer. The reason I write this rant is that my girlfriend, whom I love very much and even gave her a promise ring, wants to get her vaccinations as well as her sister. However, I can't say the same for her immediate family and more specifically her old man. Her father has been listening to the Telegram podcast bullshit, which we all know is now the hotbed for conspiracy theorists, militant extremists, and worse, just plain incels and devotees of that sleazy, traitorous, orange, perverted, morally bankrupt imbecile. He said of the father, the vaccine contains a microchip to track our move every day, which is a weak argument. Considering the fact that they, the government, doesn't need to track us with a shot in the arm, we have a device in our back pocket, and it's called a fucking cell phone. God, if they want to make that a reality, they should shove that phone up our ass. Nowadays, his flapping cock holster of a mouth is saying that the vaccine is a bioweapon, and the government and the CDC are trying to kill us. Are you fucking kidding me? If they wanted to kill us, they would have done it years ago with a little thing called the Cold War. Or they would have done it quicker with two words, nuclear fuck weapons. <laughs> with two words, that's nuclear fuck weapons. The worst thing that is going on while my girlfriend is going up this shit creek without a paddle is that her father is insulting her by saying, if you get your shot, we'll switch your queen bed out with a coffin and move the house close to a funeral home. I love my girlfriend very much. And if you torment her with saying shit like that, they are the ones who will be in need of a coffin. I'm fucking sick and tired of hearing this bullshit. And if I hear it anymore, my brain cells will start to commit suicide. For Christ's sake, Vermont is almost 84% vaccinated and is now considered the safest state in the United States. Huh? They're opening bars, shops, campsites, and dancing. Dancing! Wake the fuck up, America! You want things to get back to semi-normal and do things like Vermont? Then shut the fuck up. Turn off that bullshit spewing podcast and get your fucking COVID vaccine shot. You said it well, Garrett. 
I mean, what else can you do? Hopefully, uh, by now, she's gotten her first shot, and um, congrats on the promise ring. Hope everything works out. Good luck with that in-law. <laughs> Boy, that's a long Thanksgiving dinner that I don't want to contemplate. I'm sure you don't either. Take care of yourself. We are coming to you live at the Coral Springs Center for the Performing Arts. And uh, we are in the Florida leg of our journey. Um, and uh, so uh, this is the time in which we left cold weather. And now we're down here and it's warm. And then we'll go back and it'll be cold. And I'll be able to develop some sort of a culture in my throat. <laughs> this will be a time when I get to go to the airport and wonder, God, why aren't you wearing a mask of some sort? How come they don't give masks out? Do I, am I really going to get that? Is there going to be? Am I going to end up in the coronavirus? That's, and, the, and that many people, when people say, gee, you know, when they say, well, why are the smartest country on earth? Well, if we're so fucking smart, why did some Americans actually think that the coronavirus, you could get it by drinking Corona beer? <laughs> and they did. 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 For those of you who are watching worldwide, help us. Help us. Imagine that. Son of a... And they vote. <laughs> we'll get right to this because you've got... Uh, there's a lot that's come in. Um, it's, uh, this is from Steve Snow. Hi, Lewis. Why do you come to this theater where the seats are so fucking close together? <laughs> um, a Spirit Airliner coach seat feels like first class. Uh, well, that's why I come here, Steve. So that after the show, tomorrow, I think it'd be a nice time to get on a Spirit Airliner, wouldn't it? <laughs> Save some money and you'll feel, whew, this is really comfortable. <laughs> I don't wander from theater to theater, Steve, and go, fuck is this seat? I'm not fucking Goldilocks. Got it? <laughs> the reason is, is 99% of American theaters, the seats are too small because we got big, big. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's part of the Tufsky Schiffsley law of life. It's the deal. The idea is, is that this show is supposed to be transcendent. That's why people come to the theater. So they forget what the seat is like. And then you, you expand during the show and you go, fuck, now I can't get out of the seat. <laughs> but what he says, why not come to West Palm Beach at the Kravis? Okay, no, I've been there. I'm going to be honest, this was more fun. And I do, I mean, I, and, I, and, I, and I have friends down there, and, uh, but, uh, and I've worked West Palm, and I've worked the, the club down there, and it's, uh, but there is, sometimes, a bit of that community is, what, what's the word we use? Entitled. <laughs> and so, a portion of that audience, it's like, oh, uh, really? I'm not sure if Mr. Black was as funny as I thought. Could the jester try something a little different this time? <laughs> so I'd rather work in tiny seat land.
And then chances are I'll be back in the crevice in two years and you'll be there, Steve, going, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but, to, but to finish it, because why not come to West Palm Beach or the crevice where at least I could get a little leg and shoulder room. I didn't know they, they had shoulder room there, Steve. <laughs> I'm in the second row and the fuckers in front of me are having a grand time with their leg room. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Well, my circulation is being severely challenged. The last time I was here, it was to see my daughters in a middle school play. And I seem to think there was much more room then. Well, I think you were younger. <laughs> By the way, my son who was with me tonight helped me write this. If you're going to be mad at anyone, be mad at that little bastard. <laughs> This is from David Moss. The popcorn here is stale. <laughs> How hard is it to fuck up popcorn? <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, then this is Corey Fairfield. Your show is expensive as fuck. Ooh. Well, Corey. Okay, so haven't heard you before, but I hope by the time you're reading this rant, I've deemed your show money well spent, because now I don't have money for food until Friday. <laughs> oh. so, so it was me or uh, a, a medicine or, <laughs> or food. Wow, but fuck it, I heard you were worth it, but you know, I got a rant anyway. Maybe you should do like a $40 show or something. I mean, this is Coral Springs, not Los Angeles. Uh, really? Really? So, um, you know that the ticket for this show was the low ticket is 45. Did you know that, Corey? Where did you buy the fucking ticket, Corey? Okay, because a lot of people buy tickets. They go to like stinkyfarty.com which is off the beaten track to get like a better seat. And then they go, well, it's going to cost you 140 bucks. You go, fuck, I can't believe that son of a bitch, Lewis Black is charging 140 bucks. I'm not, because I'm not involved with stinkyfartybobo.com. <laughs> Nor am I involved with Ticketmaster or any of that bullshit, okay? So it's a $45 ticket, a $55 ticket, and a $65 ticket. Okay, Corey, if you look around, I'm just going to say this, I'm just going to say this. If you look around, most comics, uh, who kind of at the, the place I am comedically um, charge that kind of money for coming to a theater. Part of it is to help uh, defray the cost. Uh, just to be honest, to defray the cost of the room, uh, I have, uh, I support an, an, an entire village in Guam. <laughs> uh, I couldn't pull it off, I couldn't even. I tried. I got, to, I got to Gua and I was done. <laughs> we do this thing here. Uh, this is a live stream, Corey, that goes throughout the world, okay? And I don't charge anybody for it, all right? So that's part of what uh, your ticket cost helped defray. And, Corey, I'm reading your stuff and it went around the world. So if you paid, you know, 60 bucks, you didn't have to do a ham radio night, did you? <laughs> and a lot of people didn't laugh because they don't even remember what a fucking ham radio is. <laughs> a lot of people thought, boy, was he talking to a ham? No! <laughs> so I hope, 
I hope this worked out for you, Corey. I hope. I will tell you this. You can join the Fuck You fan club and you will get better seats and you don't have to pay Ticketmaster and it works out just fine and you pay 20 bucks and you'll have tickets in the first five to 10 rows. So that's another way to beat this whole racket. But you should have called, Corey. I wait by the phone every day. I'm going to read three in a row because this is really Travis Brand. Uh, people going the speed limit in the fucking left lane. Sandra Henshi, the drivers, people who cut in front of you in the line waiting to get off in an exit. David Moss, how do people in Miami not know how to pull off to the side of the road to let an ambulance or police officer go by? It's really hard, but we've managed to get some of the worst drivers. So that's pretty good, guys. So that's three in a row. And there's more. Uh, you, you apparently... This is one of the, like everywhere in the country, but you guys more than others, there is just no sense of how to drive here. And there's a bitterness about it, and there's a bitterness about old people driving. It's just madness. You have to, you're going to have to have some sort of a meeting in a public square. <laughs> I can't be involved with this. Then you got these fucking, we were driving down, and you got these, so, you know, whatever you're charging, you have private highways, right? No? Yeah, you do. Where you pay, you, you had the, they're privatized, right? Did not, the state didn't build them, right? Yeah, good idea. I fucking, we drove one down there. They fucking, if you're going to pay these fucks to do a private highway, when you give them the money, they have to fix the fucking road. Lack of applause there. That's why everybody's a shitty driver. I just told you one of the reasons things are shitty. You went, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, that's okay. I'm not good. Fuck you. Okay, this is Natalie Palmer. I wonder with the average age of the audience being 112, if they really knew who they were going to see. That's, that's really good. Well, they're the ones who can afford that $45. This is Ann Spiegel. I've been clinically depressed since January 20th, 2017, one night after seeing your performance at this venue. Any idea why? <laughs> Depends on who you're married to. <laughs> this is from Cherry Salibi. Uh, Lewis, we are known as the Chad hanging, sugar packs, pack stealing, sugar packet stealing, cone of uncertainty, swing state of transplants. Driving I-95 rivals the Indianapolis 500 with no off-ramp. To add to our great misfortune, Donald Trump has decided to make South Florida his home. <laughs> Fuck me over. I wonder if he'll put his presidential library of text messages on some of his own real estate that we have to purchase. Won't that be grand? A cultural landmine of elocution living in the pinky toe of America. Ask anyone why they moved to Florida. Their only answer is the weather. Uh, Florida, Nancy Cohen, Florida's new Republican governor has lifted the ban on the term climate change. Look, imposed by the previous Republican governor, Rick Scott, for use in public do documents. The, the previous governor is now a senator and voted to acquit Trump. Is this progress? Uh, uh, no. I think that was a softball, Nancy. No, that's unbelievable. The, the fact that, see, when, as soon as they banned the word climate change, you, as one, should have risen as a people. 
and just gone down there and grabbed him and said, uh, we're taking you. <laughs> and we're going to walk you in to Georgia. And you just, you should have, you should have been put on your shoulders and you walk up the state and get him out of the state. You're in, you're in one of like three or four states where the climate change is so profoundly in your face. It's literally like somebody going, well, there's not an asshole in my face. And the asshole is in your face. No, no, we're not going to use the word asshole. We're going to call it sugar duster. <laughs> this is unbelievable. This is, uh, this is Robin Levine. And it's... It, uh, my brother and I came into Boca to visit our mother, who's 90 years old, and took her to see your show. All she could do was complain about all the stairs she had to walk down to the second row. She said she'd better be worth it. Boy, this is a fun crowd. That's all I can say. Fuck, fuck my seats. Fuck the price of admission. Even the 91-year-olds, God damn it. Son of a bitch. You know, maybe you and my mother can uh, fucking Skype together. <laughs> This is Roy Cohen. Uh, our 91-year-old mother is sitting with us in the second row. We're trying to talk her into not driving. She's, she's blind in one eye. Oh, boy. And getting an aide to run errands and help around the house, but she refuses. Maybe you can yell some sense into her, please. Uh, no, yeah, no. You can't. You, you know, one eye, no. No. Okay? The only way you can drive is if you have to wear a pirate eye patch and a pirate hat and a pirate outfit. Then you can continue to drive. All right? And you have to have like a swashbuckling sword. And if you can get your ass in the car, then you can drive. So I'm going <laughs> to. Uh, this, is, this is Alan O'Connell. Self-checkouts at supermarkets and other stores. If I wanted a job as a checkout clerk, I would have quit school. <laughs> and when I buy a jar of pistachios, I don't need a computer reminding me to put my nuts on the conveyor belt. <laughs> this is Susan Slayton. What is up with the bumper stickers such as I love my grand dog? See, I, I, the only reason I brought that in here is because I can't, I've never seen that. I don't, and if I did, I would have to, you know, or I would have to drive up to that. I'd have to, I'd have to have that car, I'd have to take the car to the side of the road. I'd have to go, what do you, you have to take that off your car. You can't. I love my grand dog. That's like saying, I am psychotic. I am psychotic. I love my granddog. Do we need to review biology class? This is annoying and inaccurate. You do not have a granddog. You have a child who has chosen to own a dog. Maybe you have too much free time and should go get a dog of your own. I'm going to end with this. this is Dave Andrews who comes. He, we get stuff from him on occasion. He's from Canada. Uh, and it's always nice to get a Canadian perspective because they actually uh, watch us. They do. They watch us like they go, holy fuck. Imagine, imagine a whole country that just watches us like a TV, like a, we're a reality TV show on a whole other level. 
Hey, Lewis, would you send out a heartfelt hello to all of your Canadian snowbirds that are sure to be in your audience as you embark on your next three grueling days in Florida? I was looking at the forecast for the weekend in Florida, and it's a fucking shame that the temperatures are going to be fighting to stay in the 70s. My heart pumps piss for those poor bastards. They will no doubt have to untie that sweater that they have wrapped around their shoulders and wear it the traditional way. My comics seem just a tad sarcastic. I apologize, but as a Canadian living in the snow tundra, we seem to use sarcasm to help get through these endless fucking snowstorms that come every fucking weekend here on the East Coast. So why all you snowflakes down in the southern states worry about low 70s this weekend, we will be luckier than a fucking dog with two dicks if we even have a snowball's chance in hell of hitting 35 fucking degrees! And the only way we're hitting that high temperature is because we are in for over 24 hours of fucking freezing rain. Thank fuck for alcohol. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure spending time with you. Thank you, Coral Springs. Thanks to all of you for listening to my Rantcast. If you have a rant you want to get off your chest, send it in to me at lewisblack.com forward slash live. You can think of it as therapy or whatever you want to think of it as. Just let it rip. And I want to thank the true stars of our show, the ranters and the splendid rants they gave us. Lewis Black's Rantcast was created and hosted by me. Ha <laughs> Lewis Black. It is produced by James Salkine. Our theme song by Chris Lane. Executive producer, Ben Brewer. Executive producers, Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast. And most of all, thank you, all of you who ranted so well on this show.